0: Well, this morning, are you ready for this one? Last week, we spoke about pray with understanding. This morning, I am going to speak on give with understanding. Amen. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, it's time to give. So pass the offering plates. (laughs) Often, often we think that's what it entails. Giving is just putting money in the offering. Well, hopefully today we can, we can have a give with understanding. Just like um, it's important for us. I always say, you, you don't check your brain at the door to have faith. You know, when you come to church, you don't check your brain. You've got to keep it with you. God created us with the ability to think, to reason, to understand that he created the spirit to have a spiritual awareness. And so, and, and whenever we're trying to put the spirit and the mental and physical awareness things together, we find that it's, it's very important that we have an understanding. Like faith. Often we think faith is something that is intangible. Well, actually, faith is a substance. Faith is the belief in Jesus Christ, who is God the Son, and we are believing his word that he has spoken to us. So faith is not something that is intangible. It is, it is what Jesus has said to us and what his spirit bears witness with us in our own hearts. So it, it's very tangible. Well, giving with understanding. You know, um, when you think of giving, when I, I, one of the, some of the funny things I think of with uh, giving, remember that uh, the advertisement has a crocodile? And he, he's reaching for the, he's sitting at the table and everybody's eating the bills in the middle. He can, he's got short arms. He can never reach the bill, you know. And you know, I think, of some people I think of, they've got crocodile arms, they do, you know. And then, of course, we have other things that people are extravagant givers. You know, we've been fortunate to have a couple of friends that were financially, um, financially, well-off enough to be extravagant and, you know, always like going out with them, you know, because they picked up the bill. And then, there was, and then there's frugal and then there's skin stingy and miserly and selfish. And rather than t- thinking of all those, I thought of or came up with the five common money personalities. Five common money personalities. And they are investors. Savers, big spenders, debtors, and shoppers. <laughs> I left the best for last: the shoppers. So, um, when we give with understanding, we are looking at what makes us up. It's not a. It's not like who's you know what what's bad about wh- what we're doing. No, it's understanding who we are, and every one of us have a reason for being who we are. You know. People who lived through the Depression, <laughs> people who lived through the, 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 the market crash. You know, when years ago, well, I would visit people, and they had all their money in, uh, in bags by their chairs. All their savings was in shopping bags on their chairs, by their chair, and he, he slept in his chair, and he had a gun on top of his bags. That was his bank. <laughs> Another individual had all of her money in the sweeper. You know, the sweeper bag, you unzip it, had all of her money in the sweeper bag. And then I was in another home, they had all their money in the freezer. Cold cash. <laughs> now, they didn't think of that, but that's where they had their money. But what was it? It was because they grew up in a time in which everything disappeared. <laughs> you know, uh, another individual I know, they, they put money in jars and buried it in their basement. And, you know, I was down there a long time, and it just got moldy and disintegrated. I couldn't even cash it. But you see, people did things and do things for a specific reason. So understanding or giving with understanding is we have a reason for being who we are. This isn't about who's right and who's wrong or this personality is right and this person. No, just bear with me. There are savers. Savers are the exact opposite of big spenders, in case you wanted to know. Uh, they turn off the lights when they leave the room. They close the refrigerator door quickly and keep it keep it cold. Yeah. Molly, well, you know, close the refrigerator dear. Close, you know, she she gets it out and turns around. Door's open, you know, the cold air's getting out. <laughs> you know, you got to close the door quickly. And turning off the lights, these are savers. Uh, Shop only when necessary, rarely make purchases with credit cards, they generally have no debts, and may be viewed as (coughs) (laughs) cheapskates. That's what it said, I'm just, you know, I'm telling you, it's just what I, it's what I read, so I put it down, okay. While the big spenders are persons or organizations that spend money freely or extravagantly. Um, and it, and I was interested because I, on the definition it also had prodigal, <laughs> like the prodigal son. I, I was surprised to see that in the definition, <laughs> that you know the, of of what a big spender is, a prodigal, like the prodigal son goes out and blows everything. So, the third is shoppers. <laughs> shoppers often de- develop great emotional satisfaction from spending money. They can't resist spending, even if it's to buy items they don't need. They are usually aware of their addiction <laughs> and are even concerned about the debt that it causes. They look for bargains and are happy when they find them. I remember, um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I used to counsel for years, and uh, I remember... The the, the the family brought their relative to see me, and uh, um, they said, well, I asked, well, what's the concern? He says, well, they are addi- they're, they're addicted to the shopping networks on TV. And, and I, okay, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, when we got to the house where they live, they couldn't get in the house. The whole house was full of boxes, unopened boxes, that the person had bought from the television (laughs) and I mean they had there was literally hardly a path to get through to the living room because they had they were so addicted to buying the bargains on, on TV so fortunately the family was able to contact the different shopping networks and try and return all the unopened boxes but they were very much addicted to that now important as we're thinking about this Money personality traits are not one-size-fits-all. We don't wear this entirely. Often, it is a combination of two or three or all five. You know, we don't just isolate ourselves into being savers. We don't isolate ourselves into being spenders. We know we're part of both, all right? So we'll go on. Debtors. Debtors aren't trying to make a statement with their uh, um, expenditures. They are simply don't spend much time thinking about their money, and therefore don't keep tabs on what they spend and where they spend it. Okay, So they don't just spend money for the idea of spending it. And then there are investors. Investors are consciously aware of the money. They understand their financial situation and try to put their money to work. Regardless of their current financial standing, investors tend to seek a day when Passive investments will provide sufficient income to cover all their bills. Their actions are driven by careful decision-making, and their investments reflect the need to take a certain amount of risk in pursuit of their goals. So we are speaking about giving with understanding. So what, first of all, we're putting together what our financial, how we think of money. Okay. Okay. So, bringing a balance to these. Spenders, need to shop a little less and save a little more. Savers, use moderation. Bren Franklin once recommended moderation in all things. Shoppers, don't spend money that you don't have. Critical step for shoppers is to take control of their credit cards. Debtors, plan your finances and start investing. If you are a debtor, you need to get it your finances in order, and set up a plan to start investing. So pay attention. Investors. I like this. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Keep up the good work if, if you're an, an investor. It. Congratulations. Financially speaking. Well, and I, and I agree to that. But sometimes, and there again, there's good and bad to all of these things. Well, some are just predominantly bad. But, Uh, And some investors are scrooges. I mean, you can't get a dime out of them. As I used to, my friend, he would, one of my friends, he'd open up his wallet and he'd he'd blow in it, you know, get all the moths to fly out, (laughs) you know, or he would tell his friend, you better blow, you better let the moths out of it, you haven't opened that in so long, you know. It was always one of these back and forth things. But there are investors who just are so caught up with what they have, they can't, they can't break out of you know I know people that have millions of dollars you couldn't get a dime out of them because it's not in their budget all right managing your money involves self-awareness and knowing where you stand so it's again is this bad no what do we know about where we are at financially now of course we're going to come to the idea of tithing how can we give to god if we don't know where we're at Ourselves. How am I going to give to God? We don't know where He's at. We don't know what He's going to do. Well, what if we don't know where we're at and we don't know what we're going to do? So understand where we come from. Managing your money involves self-awareness. This will allow you to modify your behavior, and it will uh, help you to live to accomplish your financial goals. Debtors and (laughs) shoppers—they tend to shop more money. They tend to spend more money then is advisable. Investors and savers may overlap in personality traits when it comes to managing their household income. So, Bible states in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the love of money is the root of all evil. See, some people misquote that and say, money is the root of all evil. No, money isn't. Money isn't anything. It's what it is in the hands of the person who holds it. If a person is greedy, then their money is greedy. <laughs> if their money is laundered from doing wrong things, it's evil. If, you know, they have stolen and, you know, from other people, their money is, you know, has tainted. So what it is in our own heart, that's what it makes it in our own life. Now, you can't live without money. How many of us you know that one? <laughs> well, you can't take it with you. That's right. I just don't want them coming after me for it while I'm still here. You know, <laughs> uh, you know the idea of let's run up our debts, and when the when Jesus returns, we'll stick all them people with our debts. <laughs> we'll be out of here. I need no cheers. You know, you're kind of kind of you know kind of kind of soft here this morning. And what do I need, uh, take up another offering or something. <laughs> I always. Um, when you go to meetings and things, preachers, we, we, get, we get hit up a lot for, for money. Years ago, you'd go to some of these meetings and things, and, and the guy t- receiving the offering. Now, I always, I, we, again, we don't pass the plate because of the COVID things, but we don't take offerings. Offerings are gifts. So we receive your gift. We receive offerings. So what we are doing is, it is our decision to, to have an understanding of what we our value of, what we our finances. And we have to understand who we are as an, indiperso- as an individual. So do not spend more than you make, okay? A couple of commandments. <laughs> Don't spend more than you make. If you do, you lose. <laughs> That's when people come after you for it. And it's important to have a savings so that you can, when unexpected expenses come, rather than borrowing, you can go to the savings and pull it out. So, which one of these, now you don't raise your hands on this, okay? (laughs) Which one of these are you most like? Now, remember... There are five of them, and we don't fit into one category. We fit into probably a couple, you know, bits and We probably have a dominating category, but then we have bits and pieces of the other ones. So, now the question is, which one of these money personalities is a tither? Someone who gives to God. Well, a tithe will come with understanding. It's not an emotion It's an understanding of a biblical principle that gets us to move upon what we know is true, what we believe to be true. And so if we don't believe that we have a financial responsibility to ourselves, to our families, to our children, to our parents, to whomever, we're not going to pay attention. We have a responsibility before God to handle what's in our hands very well with wisdom and understanding. So, you know, we're not, you know, at the end of this, I'm not t- I'm not passing out pledge cards. <laughs> okay? I'm not passing out pledge cards. I want you to pledge so much money a month. Well, uh, Jan <laughs> sent the, uh, gave us the um, year in review, and we're probably, I'm not making this sermon because of that. I was just, this is what came up for for me on my mind, and it fits in. We're about... $10,000, $12,000 off from last year, 15000 But we're still paying all the bills, so they're all, they're all taken care of. But the understanding is we have to be wise in all of our giving. We're still paying our missionary support. We're still paying all the things that we, we are obligated to as a church. Uh, we're still fulfilling all of those. So which one of these, is the, of these personalities is a tither? Often a tither will be a person... That is, what are they? Well, we'll find out as we go on. How we handle finances will determine how we give to God. All right. You know, one of the things is, you ever watch the commercials? They got these dogs, and they want you to give the the ASPCA. They got these dogs shivering in the cold, and it's true, they do. There's, you know, but there's also children starving in Appalachia. There's also people homeless in Johnstown. There's, there are needs everywhere. We, we don't have enough money to meet the needs of every person in our area or around the world. What we're doing is looking at where we are at and being responsible for what we have. All right. Let's look at what God says. Malachi 3.8. You people, this is uh, Malachi is speaking to the people of Israel. And he's saying to them, you are robbing me, your God. You have robbed me, your God. And here you are asking, how how are you robbing God? How are we robbing God? You're robbing me of the offerings and the 10% that belong to me. That's why your whole nation is under a curse. I am the Lord, all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse, so there will be food in my house, and then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessings after blessings. So this is the only time in Scripture where God presents a challenge. He says, put me to the test. Now, as we go through this, we we'll to find out that the testing is, sometimes testing is just very little things, you know. Just very minimal things. But as we see this, there is a sixth money personality. (laughs) And the sixth money personality is the tither. The first 10% belongs to God. To be in charge of our financial personality, we have to understand what our personality is. Do not have financial stability to constantly, you know, people people who do not take note of their monies and so on, their livelihood, don't have the, the stability to continue constantly tithe because it's like, wow, that's a lot of money. Well, tithe is a belief and knowledge that God can multiply the income, that God can provide income for us that we never thought would come. God can provide opportunities for us to make money that we never thought was there, all right? So he's able to stretch the amount that we have, and he's even able to lead us to the best deals, the best investments, the best prices, the best ideas, the best ways to bring income, to stretch our income, whatever. God is able to do all of these things, and whenever we are giving, Micah says here, to Malachi says, put me to the test. God is saying, let me prove myself to you. 2 Corinthians 9.10, and God said, and God who supplies seed to the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with the seed you need. So not only is God saying to us to give to him in the tithe, but he's saying to us he will provide the money so you can give. So often we look at, in in our system, we, you know, you think of a pie, all right? Anybody like pies? I like pies, yeah, I like apple pies. Apple dumplings in the back there. <laughs> I like apple dumplings, all right? Don't ask for a piece of my apple dumpling. But anyhow, you have, a, you have a pie, all right? Now, what happens is there's only so much pie to go around and everybody gets a slice. If somebody takes a bigger slice than they're supposed to that means they're cheating me. They took part of what belongs to me because we have a mentality that says I only have so much to go around. See God doesn't have a pie. He has an abundance. There is no limit to his supply. Now I know people who have foolishly you know back uh, a while a few years ago there was this guy on radio he was predicting the coming of the Lord and that Jesus was coming on certain date and time, and he was saying that this is the end of the world, he bought billboards and all that stuff. There were people who sold their houses, sold everything they had, and sent it to him, to this guy, to, to you know, for his ministry. And then after Jesus didn't come, they write in, and they're talking, well, can you help us out? And he says, no. I didn't tell you to give. I didn't tell you to do that. Well, see, foolishness is is not listening to what God is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us to trust and he's also saying, I will supply you with the seed that you need to sow in order to get a better and more of a crop. Now, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, God is not telling me to go out and buy a Rolls Royce. They're very expensive, in case you don't know. <laughs> He's not directing me. Maybe a bigger motorhome, but not a Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, Rhonda's cringed at that one. I'm always looking at this. But anyhow, did you hear that? Okay, all right. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, dear. I was talking to the guy upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's always those things. You know, me, I drive down the road. If there's a tractor in a field, I'll pull over. I just like, and if it's green, that's even better. <laughs> you know, especially when you're traveling out west and you see these big machines. I always loved the big machines. Uh, even tractor trail I love big machines. It's just my downfall. No, it's just part of what I like. All right, there we go. So look at where you are and how you can how can God's provision and our efforts take me from where I am to where I need to be God's seed how can God's provision and my efforts see you are a part of the answer to every prayer you pray if we pray for more of whatever you're part of that answer. God isn't just going to knock on the door and say, here it is. You, you have to participate in this. All right, let's go on. John 21. This is where Jesus appears to his followers, his disciples, okay? This is after the resurrection. This is after the, he has appeared to the disciples, and they've seen him around. But the disciples are in a dilemma. What do we do now? You know, he's risen from the dead. We kind of are just wandering around somewhere, and what are we going to do? So they find themselves at Galilee, and they say, let's go fishing. (laughs) So Jesus comes along the shore, and he says, friends, verse 4, have you caught any fish? And the answer is, no. (laughs) So you imagine, okay, If you've fished all night and you haven't caught a thing and somebody says to you, throw your net into the water on the right side of your boat instead of the left. How many of you are going to do that? (laughs) You know? You know, rather than chopping your meal with your right hand, chop it with your left. It's about how foolish it seems. Take what you, you know, throw your net on the right side. Simple obedience. We're not talking about, you know, moving to Alaska or to Romania. We're talking about throwing your net on the other side of the boat. What happened? They pulled the net and it was full of fish. Jesus said, bring me some fish that you have caught. And Simon Peter, he got into the boat and pulled the net to the shore, and it was full of big fish, 153 of them. So he even gave you the number of fish that were in the net. Now, what did that prove? It was simple obedience that God can do something very simple in our lives. Just a simple change can change the outcome of who we are. And our finances. You know, <laughs> he didn't tell them to sell their boat. He told them to throw the net on the other side. Now, 153 fish. What happened here is, and you know, I didn't read this in any of the commentaries, but my thought is he financed their be- the beginning of their, <laughs> their ministries. Because they were now able to sell the fish, and get some income to be able to stabilize themselves in order to go back to Jerusalem and wait there 10 days until the Holy Spirit comes. So they had enough finances to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So God has a way of providing for us through the very simple things of our life. What would be that simple? What would be the most simple thing that we could do that God could bring financial blessing to our life. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. All right, Okay, so we're going now from the end of Jesus' ministry before he ascends into heaven to the beginning. This is Cana of Galilee, the wedding. Now, this, this is one of those miracles. It's the first, first of, of the miracles that Jesus has performed. And they're at the wedding, and, and Mary... Jesus, the mother of Jesus says you know they they are out of they're out of wine now to us that's okay you just go down to the store and buy some well to them it was a it would have been a disgrace for their family the fam- this new married couple all of the rest of their lives they would have been that's the family that didn't provide enough wine for us cuz just who they were as a society so mary the mother of Jesus was concerned about them. So he, she reminds Jesus of that and, he's, and this is one of those, Jesus says, what do I have to do with you? Now that's one of those declarations that it's a whole sermon in itself so we won't touch it. But anyhow, you have servants. A servant cannot object to what they're supposed to do. Okay? They ran out of wine. Jesus goes to the servants and he says, fill up the jugs. Okay, the jugs have 20 to 30 gallons of water. That's how much they can contain. So Jesus tells the servants, fill them up. Then he says to the servant, take a picture of that and go give it to the the head, uh, the the most important person at the wedding. And if you're a servant, you have to listen. Now, if you and I were there, wait a minute, I'm not serving him water. (laughs) You know, I'm not doing that of course we know that it turned into wine now here we have jesus proving that he can do something in a moment that would take years to accomplish first of all you, he started with water and to make wine you have to start with grapes <laughs> you know and you have to ferment them you have to do whatever you do in the whole process and for it to be really good stuff i understand it takes years and in a moment of time, Jesus turned water into wine. So the challenge is, what is it that we have that is in abundance and that it can be changed into what we need? You see? Not, don't sell the farm. Don't sell your house. Don't put a second mortgage on whatever to Give to the church. No. Look at what we have and see and believe and hear what God is saying because we want to give with an understanding that God is behind the gift to bless our life. Not just bless somebody else. Now, the last one is, and one of my favorites, is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, before I begin with this one, and I got 45 seconds left, (laughs) that this miracle is because, and we're assuming, this is an assumption, we're assuming that a mother prepared a a boxed lunch for her child. Okay? Out of these 5,000 men and plus women and children, there is one mother who thought about lunch for her son or her daughter before they went off on a journey to see Jesus. And that person is the one who made the provision for God to feed Jesus, to feed perhaps 10,000 people. It started with a mother's concern for the child. What a simple idea. How many of you have made lunch for your kids? <laughs> yeah? And, well, that's a miracle. Well, in this case, it was. And so one of the things is, they, he tells the disciples, okay, we'll feed, the, we'll feed all these people. <laughs> Jesus, you know, we got five, five flat pancakes and two sardines. Okay? What do we have in our hands? See, financially, well, I don't have enough. Do you have five flat pancakes and two sardines? See, the challenge is give with understanding. So the child didn't say, this is my lunch, it's all that I got. So, okay, yeah, yeah, they did, they, you know, the master needs it. Okay, there's my five flat pancakes and two sardines. So, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus had them, told the disciples, set everybody in groups of hundreds. Now, how long does it take to sit 5,000 men in groups of hundreds plus women and children they have to be seated in groups of hundreds so perhaps you have 10,000 people you have a a hundred groups of a hundred people right doesn't that make 10,000 you have a hundred groups of a hundred people now that would take most of the day (laughs) and well I would think it'd take most of the day count off one by two by three okay Wow, they got, you got all these groups. You've got 100 groups of 100 people and you have 12 disciples and they come forward and they've got five loaves and two fish. Five flat pancakes and two sardines. So Jesus breaks it and fills up the basket of each of the disciples. Now the disciples individually go to each of the groups. Can you imagine being at the end of the group? They're never going to have enough food for me, (laughs) you know? You've been at the line where there's, you know, people lined up to eat, and you're looking at it, and they're filling their plate. It's like, there's never going to be enough for me. Well, can you imagine being in the back row of 10,000 people, and they're still coming and serving what they got? And then the disciples went back and collected what was left over and they each had a basket full. Now, God is capable of taking what we have and multiplying it. We're the ones who will say, it's not enough. We're the ones who say, Five flat pancakes and two sardines, 10,000 people. Look, there's a there's 100 groups of 100 people. <laughs> Five flat pancakes and two sardines. You see, giving with understanding is knowing that out of what we have, God can make something more. And I'm not asking to sign a pledge card I'm not asking us to make a commitment to everyone pay your 10%. I'm asking us to take the five loaves and the two fish. I'm asking us to look at the seed that we have. God is going to give you the seed to plant. And how that we are going to take what God gives us in the extra and believe and thank God for it and to give. For you see... (laughs) What does God need? Nothing. But what do we need? We need to know that my divine provider hears my prayer, knows the need of my life and my family. He knows where I am at. And we, as individuals, need to know that as we take our five loaves and two fish, as we take the seed that we have and plant it, God will give us a harvest. So, <laughs> put me to the test, Jesus says. Malachi says in 3.10. God is telling the put me to the test. So, I'm asking, in our own hearts, what do we need to do to throw the net on the other side of the boat? What is it? That's something very simple. What is it that says we can put water in jugs and it becomes wine? What is it that says to us... <laughs> five flat pancakes and two sardines. So you see, he's asking us to fill the water pots, to sow the seed, to throw the net on the other side of the boat, to bring these five loaves and two fish. The financial miracle begins with understanding. Understanding who we are as a personality and allowing God to touch our finances in a way that makes us stable before God, and in our hearts and lives. Give with understanding. And we'll find that there is a great provision by God our Father for our needs. Amen? So, start a savings. Start a budget. Look at what you have and understand who you are know what makes you tick, how you got there, and now how we need to change to take us to where we need to be. Father, we thank you for your divine provision. God, (laughs) you are the God of more than enough. And so, Lord, help us to understand divine principles. Help us to understand our human feelings. Help us to know where we came from and how we got here, why we think the way we do but God, you are the one who challenges our thoughts and challenges us with your word and with your spirit. You will not abandon us, but Lord, as we test the waters, as we throw the net on the other side of the boat, as we put the seed in the ground, Lord, as we just give our little bit, you can multiply it to feed the thousands. Thank you, Lord for hearing our prayers and helping us to understand that your blessings are greater, your love is more, the provision that you have is beyond limit and beyond measure. So help us to understand and to give with that understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.